Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by space in a lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310982 4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to Reason, science, and skepticism It's loaded with straight facts inspiring and dope She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat Humans are hilarious and every other Friday I'd like to hear commentary on culture people So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline To discuss why we're capable of ultra evil It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street But if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance When Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a sin family and all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates the rainbow this is the challenge to think for yourself. Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through. A venue for community and this is the zone. If you'd like to speak with Kim, then pick up the phone. 310-982-4273 to get through. Black Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. We don't walk by faith in a lost mind state because it's not quite safe. Hey, my people, my people, what's up? How you doing? This is Carl Eber, and it's my first night hosting the show. I'm in the house right now. I'm chilling with Kim from Black Free Thinkers Radio. She's the grand the mastermind behind what you're hearing right now. Um, coming up in a little bit, we're going to have our co-host, Alfred Mims, that's going to join us. And, you know, as always, you know, we encourage you, if you're going to be here listening, if you're in the sound of, the, of my voice, um, we encourage you to use an open mind. Um, we want you to think for yourself. And we want to encourage reasonable and rational discussions about everything, and especially today's issues. Um, first of all, hey, I want to say what's up to Kim. How are you doing? Hey. Good, how are you? How's it going? I'm chilling, I'm chilling. How hard is it in my cube? Uh, you know, I just want to make sure that everybody that can hear us right now, I want to make sure you want to hear from you. Uh, you know, we're going to be doing our fair share of talking, but we want to make sure that your voice gets heard as well. The number is 310-982-4273. Again, that number is 310 
1-0-9-8-2-4-2-7-3. It's Carl Lieburn. I'm on the line with Kim, once again, for Black Freethinkers, and Alfred Mims is going to join us in a little bit. And what can I say, ladies and gentlemen, it has been a week um, out there. Um, You know, some momentous things have happened, uh, you know, with the Supreme Court and, uh, you know, the Defense of Marriage Act. Um, That's one large step forward. And, again, that's a commendable thing, you know, to our lesbian, gay, bisexual brothers and sisters out there that it's a very momentous thing, and we want to uh, just congratulate you and appreciate the major shift in just our culture that has come from that. You know, we all should be appreciative of that moment. And then, conversely, it's a giant step backwards with the repeal of Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act. Folks, we've got a big fight ahead of us. Um, please don't sleep. However you can get active, please get active. I don't care what it is, you know, register to vote, whatever you need to do. There's a big fight coming, and some knuckles are going to get scuffed and dusty. So please, make sure you know that. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be discussing the George Zimmerman trial. And, um, you know, but first I want to talk about something. And before this show started, I watched my favorite movie. Um, One of my favorite movies is The Color Purple. And um, one of my favorite scenes is one of the scenes right to the end of the show, uh, of the film, where Mr. is talking to Celie, and he says to her, finally, he says to her, she says, who's going to want you? You're black, you're poor, you're ugly, you're a woman, and ain't nobody going to want you. And... It rung out to me, especially this week, um, in regards to the George Zimmerman trial, and most particularly with a young woman by the name of Rachel Jantal. Um, Kim, you know who I'm talking about as well, right? Yes. Um, this is the prosecution's, uh, what they have called star witness, Rachel Jantal, took the stand to testify on what she heard and her conversation, which was the last conversation Trayvon Martin ever had with anybody before he was taken from this life. Um, and she was on, on, on the stand to testify. And I bring up the color purple because of, you know, the defense attorney's treatment of Don West, his treatment of racial Jean-Tal. Um it's very important that we understand what's going on here. She never actually lied. Um, There may have been inconsistencies. She had some inconsistencies based on the fact that she never actually wanted to be a witness. But at no time during her testimony did Rachel Jantal ever lie. And because of that, Don West, the defense attorney uh, for Trayvon Martin, Uh, I mean, not for Trayvon Martin, I'm sorry, for George Zimmerman, he, knowing that he couldn't catch her in a lie, took an alternate route to try to discredit her. And he basically did what Mr. did to Miss Seeley in The Color Purple. He goes, who's going to listen to you? You're fat, you're black, you're ugly, you're a woman. Nobody wants you. And he did that. He badgered her with that. But I expect that of him. 
first of all, it's his it's his duty to jealously defend his client. I'm not mad at that. That's his job. He's supposed to defend George Zimmerman and get him off the hook if he can. That's what's supposed to happen. Um, he's I think he's somewhat of a reprehensible person to to make a joke to open up such a serious occasion uh, and then to to try to discredit a woman by shaming her uh, makes him the lowest of the low to me. What exactly. really surprised me and what really hurt me and I was listening and looking at my social media and their reaction to Rachel yeah. Jontal. What really upset me was the fact that people that look like Rachel Jontal People from the same neighborhoods as Rachel Chantal is from took to embarrassing her, calling her names. The same thing. You're fat, you're black, you're ugly, you're poor, nobody wants you. From the people who should have been the wind at her back became a crown of thorns on her head. And there's a lot of folks out there that should be ashamed of that. But the big thing, and I keep and I'm going back to my favorite movie, The Color Purple is that Rachel Jantal did something that Miss Seeley did at the end of that insult. After Mr. said those things about her, Seeley turned to him and said, what you've done to me, I've already done to you. And then she said, I may be poor, I may be black, I might even be ugly, but dear God, I am still here. And Rachel Jantal did that. She might be poor. She might be as fat as y'all say she was. She might be ugly. But she sat there, and not once did she waver from that testimony. And she said words that may very well damn George Zimmerman. Because even though it may have been a racist word that folks and conservatives are trying to latch on to to say that, try to put Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman on equal ground, she now sets the stage for, for the events that led to Trayvon Martin's death. Somebody's following me. That's right. Thank God she's here. And a lot of y'all, and she's here. She was there. She took a stand and took the stand. And that's a lot more than I can say for some of y'all, and I'm going to really say this right now. Some of y'all, fake-ass Facebook activists, fake-ass intellectuals, y'all are fake. And I'm going to put it out there because you're wrong. You are wrong. We can't move on until we start pulling our own cards. And some of y'all out there are dead-ass wrong. You should have known better. You should have been support for this girl. There shouldn't have been a moment where she felt like no one had her back and we failed her in that respect. You failed her in that respect. And some of y'all should really be ashamed because when this started, y'all think y'all showed up on Facebook with your pretty little hoodies and your pretty little pictures and you put it up on Instagram and you put it up on your Twitter account and your Tumblr and whatever with your little hoodies and said, I am Trayvon. No, you weren't because some of those things were on your page and you should be ashamed of yourself. And unlike you, she swallowed her fear and she took the stand and she stood for her friend, something that you couldn't do. And you need to exactly. own up to that. You need to own up to that. And then let's talk about something very quickly. Rachel Jantan did that speaking her third language. 
She's exactly. not fluent in English. She's a Haitian that from that grew up in the Dominican Republic and came to America. English is her third language. She's not a master of it. Can you think that do you think that you could do what she did? You can't. And then if you're going to condemn her, have you ever stood up to try and change the circumstances of the kind of community that she grew up in? Richard Jean Thomas from South Florida. I live here. I live in Miami Gardens. It's a large community full of folks that are just like her. Did you do anything to try and change the immigration situation where kids that come here and want to be Americans can get better access to education? Did you vote for that? Did you vote for the DREAM Act? Did you push yourself to try and change that section of the community? How about the education in, in Tarot City, Miami Gardens, Opelika, Miami, Alapata? Where were you when they started shutting down schools and Parkview Elementary? Where were you? when they started taking money away from the unions. Where were you? If you weren't there, you do not have the right to condemn Rachel Jantal. You don't, because you're a chump, you're a fake activist, and you didn't take a stand. You didn't try to change the world that where it could be less of that. So don't try to condemn her if you didn't put your weight in and put your time and energy in. If you didn't show up at the ballot box, don't open your mouth. If you didn't show up when things like that happened, don't open your mouth. Keep your intellectual ass sitting down somewhere. So we're going to open up the floor. We're going to talk a little bit more. Of course, Kim, she's here with me. What do you got to say, sister? Well, regarding, you know, Rachel, you know, Miss John Hall, I found the behavior abominable. I saw people making comments about the young ladies that were hurtful, that were offensive, that were, um, you know, preconceived. It's just like English is her third language. And also mm-hmm. about the fact she could not read that cursive. They do not teach cursive in school anymore. They teach you how to sign your name in cursive, but that's pretty much it because everything mm-hmm. is digitized. Everything is on the computer. So, again, I'm just sitting there, and what I saw in the most damning and hurtful comments came from members of her own community. Do you know how hard it was for that young lady to get on that stand? She didn't want to testify, which is why she told a few fifths, if you will, because she did not want to be involved in any of this. Can you imagine the guilt and the hurt that she's carrying, knowing that she was the last person to speak to him and that she did not call the police or his parents after he told her what happened and she heard him get bumped and heard the wrestling? Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, I mean, just imagine the weight, the heaviness that's on her. And then they had to subpoena her to get her to come to court because she did not want to be involved in this. And people aren't taking that into consideration. It makes me wonder, you know, have any of these people ever been to a courtroom? That is intimidating. You know, yeah. when you're coming in as a witness, whether you're being deposed or or you're going in to, to testify in a trial or what have you, or even if you're bringing a lawsuit, you know, even if you're bringing it in front of the judge and it's a summary judgment or it's a trial, you know, or a jury trial type of situation there, that's intimidating. It's intimidating. Sure. If you've ever been in one of these courtrooms, you walk in, number one, it's huge. 
and then mm-hmm. you see the, you know, the teak or the mahogany walls. I mean, beautiful. I mean, and mm-hmm. you see the judge sitting there on the bench peering down at you. And then you have, you know, the lawyers, you have the galley there with the lawyers. And, I mean, it's just it's, it's, it's intimidating. It's extremely intimidating. Yeah. And to know that she had to testify in this particular trial, because this particular trial is like the modern-day Emmett Till situation. Yeah. And Very there's a so. lot resting. Exactly. And it's a lot resting on this trial because we had people all across this country protesting, you know, the death of, you know, Trayvon Martin and the injustice of Zimmerman not, you know, being prosecuted initially. You know, they didn't even arrest him. And so people were marching all across this country. I remember when it was happening because I was in D.C. It was the same time for the Reason Rally last year. And I was in D.C., and so they had the Reason Rally, and they had a march for Trayvon concurrently. So, you know, I was meeting people, you know, that was basically marching in the in the, um, the protest and coming over to the Reason Rally. I met a lot of people that weekend. But what I'm saying is, again, we're out here marching. You have people, you know, putting up pictures of themselves with their hoodies, with their Skittles and their tea. And, mm-hmm. and that's about the extent of it. And many of these same people, forgot all about this until it popped back up again. Now all of a sudden they're back on the Trayvon Martin bandwagon. But in the meantime, they're making fun of this young girl whose whole life has been turned upside down. And yeah. that's what I'm trying to get people to understand. Her life, When she goes back to her community, there are going to be some people who are going to harass her. You know, her family may have to move after all of this. Right. And in addition to this, we should be affirming and empowering mm-hmm. this young lady because she has a long road ahead of her. Where is the where is the trust fund for her? So we've we've put exactly. out you know all of these different calls and finance all these people for you know whatever reason. We need to ensure that that young lady has a future ahead of her. Because this exactly. is, you know, more than likely going to have some type of devastating impact on her personally. This can either make her or break her. I personally would tell her to write a book about this situation yeah. and try to capitalize on it. Even though I'm not really into capitalism, she should try to capitalize yeah. on this situation so that she can have a future and maybe she can help her family come up out of the situation that they may currently be in. I don't know what type of situation they're in. And you, know, but, you, and know, you want to know what? what? No, I'm sorry. Uh, no, please, please finish. No, 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 go ahead. Now, now and, and, and the big thing about this is, too, and, again, it's to Rachel Jantel's credit, um, she's not sequestered. The jury has the luxury of people not knowing their names, not knowing what they mm-hmm. look like, not knowing where they're from. And they also have an added luxury, of, and for them, they don't have access to the outside world until this case is finished. Until this trial is over, they don't have to see how people will talk about them or, or speak in reference to them. It goes again to Rachel Chantal's credit for, to take the stand because she wasn't sequestered. All of those things that people have said, the picture where they compare her to Precious or Jabba the Hutt, or calling her ratchet, really, when you're you're so stupid, you don't know that those are two different words. The word's wretched, wretched, not ratchet, people. Get a dictionary. Anyway, back back to that, back to what I'm saying. 
she can hear you. You know those movies where it's like, I can hear you, I'm standing right here? That's Rachel Jean-Tal. She can hear you. She sees what you've been saying about her every day for the last week. She can hear you. She can see you. What you're saying, all those hurtful, and if she's got a Facebook, if she's got Facebook or Twitter or whatever, she can hear and see what people have been saying about her. So for her to go through that and still take the stand, that's a big deal. That's a very big yes, deal. And then to add insult to injury, the defense attorney asked him, did she read or hear anything about her demeanor and her testimony the day before on her second day of testifying? He 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 specifically asked her if she had read or heard anything about her demeanor. So he was trying to put her down and basically inflict, you know, some type of inferiority complex on her. And the thing is is that he already knew that mainstream America, white America, would perceive her a certain way. And because of the self-hatred in our community, we do a better job at this than white people do. They don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. They just sit back and allow us to do it. And some of what I was reading was hurtful. It was offensive. It was shameful. And the people who did that ought to be ashamed at how they treated her. Trayvon's parents said that she did a great job, and they understood Uh why she cleaned a few things up because she didn't want to hurt his parents. Again, it's a cultural difference. And, again, she is from the Caribbean, okay? It's a different type of upbringing. It's a different type of mindset. They still respect their elders. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and also, too, and, again, I'm talking as a person who lives in this community. I'm in this community. I live here. And the truth of the matter is Rachel, Rachel Jean-Tal does not sound all that different from most people that live around here. She doesn't, all right? I mean, I'm talking from I'm educated and I went to college, and uh, it, it, are you really mad at the fact that she didn't code switch? Like she didn't put on right. the mask? to deal with the uh-huh. white people, uh, is that what people are upset about? Because if she's not really, if I, because most of the time prior to me watching the video, I was just reading transcripts. Um, I And then I finally heard her, and I was like, wow, maybe what if these folks are right? But I said, let me watch and hear how she sounds. She doesn't sound any different than any most women that live in a lot of these lower middle class Miami neighborhoods, South Florida neighborhoods. She doesn't sound all that different. And I'm talking from somebody that lives in Norland slash Carroll City, Miami Gardens. It's that same neighborhood that Trayvon Martin grew up in. So she doesn't sound all that different. And then the other thing is, too, again, we're not taking into account that she's 19. If she was born here, um, again, she's only 19 years old. If she was born here and got raised in the communities, I can tell you there's a lot of schools that are where they have a lot of great teachers, where they have a lot of great staff, but they're underserved and underfunded. So there's a lot of folks and a lot of kids who may fall through the cracks. You know what I'm saying? So she may be at one of those, she may have attended some of those schools up until her high school, I mean senior year or whatever, and it just she just fell through the cracks like a lot of young children do in these neighborhoods. It's an epidemic. But then also, if you want to factor in 
if she came here, like she was born in 1994, she's 19, she was born in 1994, more than likely she's she may have come here at as, as a child. So that already put her behind the curve, and then she may have had to play catch-up. And then she may have grown up as an immigrant, as a Haitian immigrant. She may have grown up in a situation where she may be the only English speaker in her family. Exactly. That doesn't make her stupid. I mean, how would you feel if you had to get dragged into court and then you had to give testimony in Farsi? Do you speak Farsi? Is it your first language? No. So you could be highly intelligent. You could have 170 IQ. But if you don't know how to speak a certain language, when you try to speak it, you're going to sound pretty stupid to whoever's asking you the question. That's just the nature of the beast. But people aren't taking these things into account. It's not excusing anything. It's just saying there's more to the story than this. It's not like she just came up and she sprouted up stupid or anything like that. And it's wrong for anybody to assume that about this young lady. And then, but, and, and, and then at the end of the day, does her lack of, 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 of vernacular change what she heard and what she heard and experienced that night back in February of 2012? No, it doesn't. What are we really pissed off about here? What she said or how she said it? Are we really going to focus on how she said something? You know, if I'm standing in traffic and a bus is about to hit me, I mean, I don't care how somebody tells me to look out for the bus. You can say, sir, duck, a bus is coming. All right, I'm going to jump out the way for that. But it's like, dude, watch out, bus is coming at you. All right, fine, I'll jump out the way again too. Either way, you were trying to help me. So, again, are we really upset about what she said? Are we, really, are we wasting time on how she said it? You know what I'm saying? And, and it, brings, it brings to mind a lot of... Of, of a lot of uppity, I don't want to say uppity, I don't want to get into slang and name calling. I did call some folks some names, and I did call people fake ass. I don't really want to do that anymore. But it does call to mind. I mean, how would you take, how would the folks that are insulting racial Chantal, um, how would they react to the, to the first set of people who went freedom riding or the first black people to, to, to get the opportunity to vote? These weren't, you know, these weren't road scholars. These weren't high college, you know, graduates. They were sharecroppers, housemaids, butlers, chauffeurs. I mean, what what would have, because I went to a good school and I have a good vernacular, I'm going to condemn those people? Those are the people who put their lives on the line for, for my chance to go to school. How would we react to them? I mean, what, what would we really say to those folks if we can insult Rachel Jantel? You know, exactly. that's a big deal. And, you exactly. know, and it's really sad. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, again, it, it was just unbelievable. And, you know, it was very insulting. And, you know, I'll play out one of the scenarios with the defense attorney. You know, basically he came at her and he said, are you claiming in any way that you don't understand English? Her response was, I don't understand you. I do understand English. He then responded, mm-hmm. when someone speaks to you in English, do you believe you have any difficulty understanding it because it wasn't your first language? And she responded, mm-hmm. I understand English very well. And, again, this goes back to linguistics. And some of the people that I saw out there insulting her, 
basically they barely have a grasp on the king's English. So exactly. in, in most yeah, in most of the status updates and the tweets that I saw were grammatically incorrect. I mean, I know you only have 140 characters on Twitter, and we all make mistakes, and, and that happens. But if you're going to critique her, at least have your teeth crossed and your eyes dotted. But at the end of the day, this is a human being, period. If you were the one sitting there and you had the whole world critiquing you, would you be able to sit there and be graceful under fire like she was? Right. And and again, uh, she's and, and you know what too, and and I'm and, and I'm talking about anybody, you know, in in a world where especially young, dark-skinned African-American women or girls are put under so much pressure and have such such issues with body image. You know. Exactly. It's just sad to see that folks will resort to that. You know, in a world where colorism is still very real, especially in our own community, you know, and 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 and, yeah. and one of the people that really criticized her, and I was like, wow, it's really it's really getting ugly out there. When Lolo Jones, yeah, you know, tweeted that about her and made the made the Medea crack and stuff like that, and I was like, wow, it really must be nice to be a high yellow, almost blonde, blue eyed, right, you know, light skinned black woman. To, to, to insult somebody else like that. It must be really nice. No wonder those other girls on your team hated you good. You know, because exactly. frankly the world was given the world was given to Lolo Jones on the platter and it's, it, and and her teammates in my mind and then, you know, in my mind her track and field teammates were highly justifiably upset because they actually won. But no one talks about any of those girls. No one talks about those those darker skinned girls who actually cleared hurdles and won gold. Right. You know, exactly. no one talks about them. But everywhere you turn, someone's talking about Lolo Jones. Hey, she's got endorsements. She's got this. And here's the thing: she's never won anything. So exactly. It, so why is she on the face of everything? You know, why is she on the on, on pictures and and things like that? That's like. You know, why would you want to put up pictures of the San Antonio Spurs right now? They lost. Shouldn't you be focusing on the Heat? It's the same thing. So it's got to be the fact that she is, just by virtue of what her what her features are, she's getting all the she's getting all the good press. And then it's really sad that she's going to turn around, being aware of this, and insult somebody else. You know, and, exactly. and everybody it's goes. Yeah, it's about perception, mm-hmm. and she's right. playing into that perception because she, you know, whether she admits it or maybe she's not cognizant of it, but, well, you know, in a more overt way, but she's privileged to a certain degree. Yeah. And, and 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 she's playing it for what it's worth, but the thing about it is when people were mocking her and making fun of her in whatever fashion, because I remember all of that, and she was pretty upset about it, but then you turn around and then you project that onto someone else. Like, it's okay. It's okay. And, yeah. you know, I saw people, you know, comparing, you know, Miss um, Chantal to, you know, a number of, you know, different people. And, again, it just I was extremely upset about that. You know, last week was just, well, this week, it was just really a bad week, you know, from the very beginning because the VRA and all of that and, other issues, which we'll talk about Sunday, but 
you know, again, yeah. with this particular and, situation, she's not the one on trial. Zimmerman is no. on trial, and they're reflecting. And it's a very strategic move on the behalf of the defense because they're taking the focus off of Zimmerman and putting it on everything and everybody else. They were playing right along with that. Right. And, and, and here's the thing. If you don't support her, if you don't take her seriously, why should anybody take the entire prosecution's case seriously? Exactly. Again, there's a lot of other things there that can damn George Zimmerman to jail time. But again, she was on the phone while everything was happening. She was on the phone. Matter of fact, the only reason that she got cut off is because Trayvon's death was about to take place. So her her input is the most pivotal. And you're asking questions like, and, and let me tell you something, I had to go to court. I had to go to court on, in an assault case. Somebody tried to, when I used to work security, someone tried to stab me. <laughs> I had to fill out a report. They arrested him, the cops, everything. I and, and I had to go into court. I gave a deposition. I talked like this. And still, <laughs> I'm sitting in court. And I was prepped. I gave depositions to both parties and everything, and I walked into the courtroom, and still, even with that, somebody found ways to get around whatever I said. So it's like, you know, I'm seeing stuff like, well, the prosecution should have prepared her better. Really? Have you ever been in a courtroom? Because how are you really going to, when you think about it, I mean, a prosecution, a prosecutor can prep me till the cows come home. Again, Then again, I'm going up against someone who, has gone to college for for 12 years or 12, 13 years worth to become a lawyer, to become a defense attorney or to become a prosecutor. Then if that person is really adept at their job, hell, you could, there are a lot of public defenders that folks can't talk their way around. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it sounds really easy on paper to say, well, she should have got prepped better. But think about it like this. If it was a sword fight and somebody tried to train you how to use a sword for about a week, and then you went up with somebody who was practicing with a sword for the last 12 years. Who do you think is going to win that fight? Exactly. Let's be honest. Exactly. That's true. Somebody's trying That's, to... We have a caller. You know? We have a caller yeah. from Louisiana. So let's try to pull them into the conversation here. Oh, come on in, folks. Caller from Louisiana. Are you there? May we ask the yes. caller? Yes, this is uh, probably one of the only people that you know from Louisiana, actually. Yeah, I'm sorry about being late. I am Mr. Mims. Hey. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's yeah. up, man? Well, well, sorry. Right. Uh, I, I tried to send a message, but I honestly got pulled into two impromptu uh, mini surgeries, so I, I had to stay in on that and assist with that. So I, uh, please excuse my tardiness. <laughs> No, no, um, please. See, first of all, we can't, we can't even be mad at you. You just came in and just said I did something like a superhero. I just came in from too many surgeries, and I'm like, that. How can I be mad at that, man? That's like superhero talk. It's not fair. I can't oh, yeah. match up to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, welcome I to it, brother. Bad, though. I no, no, it. please. Oh, <laughs> oh man, it's seeing. Seeing uh, a lot of this stuff unfold, and the best, I, I see some at, at home, and my wife uh, watches it, and she sends me messages, are you, are you seeing this stuff? But <laughs> over the last few days, 
Miss uh, Miss Jim Tell, I've had to really reexamine my stuff because when I first heard, I'm like, oh man, they're they're going to tear her a new one because first something kind of something told me that in the back of my mind, I don't think English is her first language. And excuse me if I'm going back over this, but I'm trying to uh, go at a, uh, a sequential order. I didn't feel that she should be stereotyped just just quickly and as harshly as some of the other folks that we know who are born and raised here and refuse to speak uh, the standard English, which there is, that in and of itself is a joke. But mm-hmm. the fact that she speaks more languages than probably 90% of the people who criticize her, uh, mm-hmm. she's, it should be recognized as it is. Okay, fine. You're up against somebody who is a seasoned prosecutor, or excuse me, a, a public defender, and that you can get under anyone's skin, and no matter how much social decorum they can appear to have, it can be chipped away, especially as time goes on. These things have to be recognized. Uh, the reaction from when she was on the stand towards some of the other people when they were on the stand completely different because I'm watching this. I'm watching a live chat of people watching the the, the actual case live and I'm responding and some uh, some responses come up and some don't but I can only imagine the, the vitriol thrown at her of what I didn't see and what, you know, didn't make it past some of the, uh, the screeners that were on this live chat. But I found myself kind of shaking my head too when she first began to talk. Um, what I really did not uh, like about it is that she seemed calm and composed when it first went on, but then as time went on, she did become agitated. Uh, some of her gestures and, and comments toward the defender, I feel, were a bit out of line, especially when, you know, they told her that she had to come back, and then she kind of just flipped wig and was like, no, I'm not coming back. Um Personally, it's 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 hard for me to absolve her from all responsibility over that, but everything has to be taken into context. Yes, she was a second-hand witness to what happened. Uh, no matter how the prosecution or the defense try to make it appear, she was the third person that was involved in this and that she knew Trayvon Martin intimately. No one else in that courtroom other than his parents knew him as intimately as she did even though they were just friends. But mm-hmm. it, it's really interesting as uh, how people try to uh, white knight certain folks and have certain folks get the benefit of the doubt. Yet when, uh, oh, I, I wanted to, was a good example, when the, uh, the male witness that actually went out in his yard and witnessed the fight for eight seconds, all the comments applauding uh, the eight seconds that, uh, of the entire scuffle that he saw was just lauded as just this expert testimony and uh, the, the purest fact that you could find out there other than him being in the physical altercation himself. And I had to sit and think to myself, that all these folks who are mentioning MMA this and ground pound that, how many of you have actually been in a fight like that? How many of you are actually trained in any sort of martial arts of that fashion? I've actually been trained. Mm-hmm. I'm certified as level one army combatant. It's level one of level four, but you learn the basics. And the basics of that fighting system is you are trying to gain the dominant hand. You are trying to gain exactly. a foothold. 
Exactly. Yeah, and combat. So, in that, you will try and achieve this through different positions, through mounted, through side control, what have you. In the matter of eight seconds that he witnessed, they could have changed positions ten times, especially being full of vigor, adrenaline, and the beginning of a fight. I personally changed positions in eight seconds almost ten times, just trying to gain the upper hand. So from what he saw, people drew this just this presupposition that, well, okay, he was on top, so he must have attacked him. No, he could have been tackled from behind. He could have been grabbed and thrown to the ground and then have achieved a momentary position of dominance. But the second that that neighbor turned his back, the tide could turn just as easily in a half of a second. So just seeing how much of a, how much of someone's testimony who was actually on the phone with them <laughs> during the time compared to somebody who just so happened to see a segment of it, it it's really interesting and it's really telling who has already made up their minds and who is going to get who is going to be given the benefit of the doubt. It, it's it's really uh, a mess, in my opinion, or a, a big mess. No, and and it, you know, it, and what's funny is, you know, what people are taking into and fail to take into account again with uh, Ms. Yantal's testimony, she sets up the chronology for everything. She sets up the chronology for whatever that guy saw because she was she she hears on the phone, you know, his words were, yo, this creepy ass crack is phone. Um, and more on, I'll talk later about how they're trying to turn that into trying to put him in Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman on equal ground, which is ridiculous. But anyway, it sets up the chronology, which means he became aware that, oh, man, why is this dude behind me? You know, like, should I, what should I do next? I mean, and at, at the very least, I don't know about anybody else, but from where I grew up, I'm growing up in Brooklyn and Miami, and I don't know about anybody else. Somebody that's out to start something, anybody that's out to start a fight, anyone that's out to commit a crime, they're not walking around nervous about people following them. And nine times out of ten, they're not walking around unarmed. So to me, that's more profound than that eight-second tumble that that man saw in the courtroom, I mean, that he's testifying about in the courtroom. I, I don't care what you say. If I don't have a gun, I'm not trying to start beef with nobody because I don't know if everyone is unarmed like me. So that, to me, in my mind, that's, that's way more profound than, yeah, I saw him on top for about five, eight seconds. That's ridiculous. But it's like you said, because, uh, you know, it's like you said, it, it, it's coming from this guy and he can talk a certain way. People are going to be like, well, yes, okay. Which means, have you ever watched a UFC fight? I watch those all the time. Eight seconds can change in a minute. Somebody can have side control. Somebody can have somebody in a rear naked choke, and then eight seconds later, that person who puts somebody in a rear naked choke is kissing the canvas. You know? I mean, that, that really doesn't hold. Hmm? Oh, yeah, no, and exactly. You know? The thing is, the guy was trained in MMM, which is mixed martial arts, which is a combination of street fighting because, I mean, Again, you know, those that have been in the military, you know, you have the hand-to-hand combat, and then you have other specialized training. And many of us that have been in the military, we've taken outside training, you know, in addition. So with the MMA, it can be MMA. It can be a, a variety. It can be Muay Thai. It can be Krav Maga. It can be Dojo. It can be a number of street fighting martial art techniques that you use at any given moment. And each of them have a specialty with a specific 
goal in mind when you're fighting. Yeah, again, and again, and 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 to me, it doesn't matter if Trayvon Martin had momentarily pinned on um, George Zimmerman. I don't know about anybody else, but if someone was, if somebody antagonized you, and if somebody produced a gun, if somebody came up to you that you didn't know and then attacked you, what do you think? I mean, what's wrong with him fighting, having fought George Zimmerman back? I don't really care that George Zimmerman has got bloodied up. That's really what's supposed to happen when you attack somebody that, you know, you don't know. Why is it somehow wrong that he at some point tried to defend himself? I mean, why is it? I, I don't see how that should or could or should be used against him. It's rational. If somebody comes up to you, it's called fight or flight. He didn't run, so he figured he would fight. So what's wrong with that? You know, to, to me, that's that. I, 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 I'm baffled at that. Like, if they establish that Trayvon Martin did anything to fight, that automatically means that it, it qualifies George Zimmerman as having defended himself against an aggressor, which is ridiculous. But you know, it it it, it just really bothers me that 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 folks are trying to make Trayvon Martin responsible for his own murder. <laughs> you, you know, that's that's the really that's the most pathetic thing about this case. They're trying to make him responsible for the events that led to his death. And as far as anyone can tell, he was just walking home from the store. Uh it it it, it, it kind of baffles the mind that that people are are really allowing this to even be part of the discussion, you know, other than just dismissing it outright. It's really ridiculous to me. Well, it's confirmation bias because even when it first began, I kept seeing Thug Vaughn Martin, Thug Vaughn this, Thug that. He is constantly being characterized as a thug. As many mm-hmm. people who who say, okay, well, let's look at this from a, a somewhat objective view. If Zimmerman had stayed, like he well he was he was giving a suggestion I'll call it that a, a strong suggestion by the dispatcher on the phone to stay where he was. If right. he had followed that suggestion, he wouldn't have gotten in the altercation. Now he says that Trayvon came up and attacked him, but then he also says that he was following him to some degree. Now that is being was debated in court, but regardless of the degree that you are following someone. You're you're essentially accosting someone in the middle of the night. You have a weapon and in the rain, and they don't know you. What do you think the logical uh, and the and the logical progression of things in our society? How do you think that would have turned out? He, he wasn't going to turn around with uh, little bow peep eyes and a basket and ask you, you know, if you wanted to buy some Girl Scout cookies. It, it, it's <laughs> not it's not a logical uh, happenstance that that something like that would happen. And it's really something that I bring up to folks is that if you approach me in the middle of the night and I'm coming home and it's raining and it's dark and I don't know you, we're going to have an issue. Because yeah. I don't know how you grew up, but how I grew up and where I grew up, that's trouble. Someone's trying to do something to you, especially someone you don't know. If someone wanted your attention, they could keep their distance, a great amount of distance, and verbally speak to you before they would actually mm-hmm. approach you. But, yeah, you know, that obviously didn't happen here. Exactly. And if, if 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 George Zimmerman was so official as being a part of his neighborhood watch, 
then why didn't he just identify himself as such? I mean, I mean, I don't think as as crazy as it is, he could have stopped Trayvon Martin and said, "Look, I'm the neighborhood watch. Where are you, what are you doing here?" Now, it, even then, it would have been that way. But there's no internet, there's no evidence whatsoever that he even identified himself. You know, well, no, because I was saying because well, he Trayvon was on the phone. The fact that they were trying to okay, well, Trayvon called him a creepy ass cracker. Granted, okay, fine. Uh, well, now he's Trayvon. See, he sees this 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 target of his just racist notions, and <laughs> and now he wanted to, he wanted to go after him. Well, if he had time enough to recognize him and see that he was being stalked by a said uh, creepy ass cracker, then that means he was being antagonized from a distance, of some way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. So yeah, who then has engaged in hostility? Beforehand, and we've already had, and he's not denied that, and has been verified mm-hmm. by uh, Gentile. So from that point, we have an issue because then you're antagonizing someone. If you make eye contact with him and you are an authority figure, you're going to say, "Hey, what's going on?" It works like that in the military. It works like that in the police department. The police officer sees somebody, they're going to say, "Hey, what are you doing?" They're not just going to come up to you and and expect you to assume because they have a uniform on that you're just going to stop and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, it's, that, it doesn't work like that. But one interesting uh, article that that I did read, his, uh, right after the scuffle, and when uh, the police officer, I can't remember his name, was interviewing him to see what happened, and the police officer uh, said, okay, so, you know, dispatcher told you just to, to stay there, so why didn't you do it? Oh, well, you know, um, you know, I was trying to get an address. But, but you said earlier you didn't know who this was. Why would you be trying to get an address on somebody you don't know? This very, very strange. Who who goes after uh, a cat burglar or, or somebody of that nature and follows them while they're on their little looting spree to try and find their, uh, to follow them to their address? Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't make any sense. You know, no, it doesn't. Not at all. But I can I can give a reason as to why George George Zimmerman wound up in the path of Trayvon Martin. And it's nothing that Trayvon did. And it's something, it's one of the elephants in the room that a lot of people have avoided. Um, it's one of the, in, in addition to class and race, um, it's, it's America's gun culture. It's our gun culture. I don't, you can't, there's no authority in the world that can make me believe that George Zimmerman would have found himself in the path of Trayvon Martin had he not had that gun on him. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing about the man that's sitting in that courtroom right now uh, that leads me to believe that he would be any uh, any kind of aggressor had he not been backed up by firepower. And not when he was skinny and not now when he looks like Chaz Bono. I don't think that guy would have done anything if he didn't have a gun on him. And it's this weird... This it's this dirty Harry, you know, death wish Paul Kersey gun culture that we have in this country, where people actually start thinking that way. And I'm I'm not one of the I'm not I'm pragmatic enough to to to, to accept that guns may just very be very well be a necessary evil in this culture. And you know, I'm, I, it is what it is. I've owned one. I know people that own guns, and they're very responsible when they do have guns. 
Um, but then we have another section of society where people are living out their fantasies with it. You know, George Zimmerman wanted to be a cop, and he has his gun on him, and he sees a bad guy, and he wants to be Dirty Harry. He's going to take out the bad guy, you know, these fucking punks. That's what he said. Those were his words. Who talks like that? What movie? Go ahead, punk. Make my day. He thinks he's a hero. He thinks he's going to be a superhero. And that's the culture that we have raised up in this world. And even with now where folks get guns and and there's no sense of responsibility with it anymore. You get a gun and all of a sudden you're envisioning fighting off an angry horde of zombies or, or bad guys or drug cartels, you know, instead of just plain and simple, I want to protect my home. And I can accept that. But now it's like yeah. we got to get, you know, it's, 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 and that's why George Zimmerman wound up fighting with Trayvon Martin and, and eventually killing him because he shouldn't have been anywhere near him. If he didn't have a gun on him, he would have sat his ass in the car just like the police told him to. And when they showed up, the you know, officer, he went that way. They would have found him if he was guilty of anything or if, if they acted like we know police have done in the past then the death of Trayvon Martin wouldn't have been on him. It would have been on the police. You know, but it was a gun in his hand. He had to be that guy. He had that vision in his head when he busts the bad guy breaking into somebody's house. And then he's going to, you know, he's going to be there and he's going to, the camera would be on him or whatever. He had that fantasy in his head. And, you know, we, it's, it's our culture now. It's the shape of things. You know, and and that's the other elephant in the room that I think that, um, you know, it, it's responsible. It's responsible for this boy's death, quite frankly. Yeah, and I and I actually really agree with that. You know, I'm a big I'm pro gun advocate. I I'm pro gun for people who are responsible. Advocate, I yeah. say that. But he displayed neg- negligence when he knew he was not allowed to carry a firearm. He knew as mm-hmm. a uh, watch captain that they don't allow that. But he took it upon his own he took it upon himself to to be the big man and to bulk up his, his ego and carry that with him with the intent of using it. And just by his own words, all oh, these fucking punks they they always get away. Well, they always get away. That that's an interesting point. Because then he that means he's familiar with them. That means he right. has an idea what them look like. He has his own idea what suspicious looks like, like anyone else. But to to throw that phrase out, and at which it, the cop said himself that he was kind of taken back uh, by that statement, that shows a sense of familiarity with whoever mm-hmm. your them is. So for you to then take that idea of this us and them, and then you having to be the uh, the opposition to them, break the rules of your charge of being a watch captain, that shows zealotous like action. You are you are now a zealot. You are now a vigilante. Right. You know right. you are now very hairy. So no one has really addressed that too much, other than the prosecution in the beginning. But that needs to be definitely addressed when he takes a stand, because he knew exactly yeah. what he was doing as far as that goes, and he had the intent of getting away with it because of who his parents are and because of what he's gotten away with in the past. But yeah, at this point, it's really he's not going to get away with anything. Whether he gets, when he gets locked up, he's going to be some big black man's bitch 
uh, for lack of a better term. But even if he does, for some reason, some miracle that he gets, he goes away scot-free, he's never going to have a normal life ever. Because this was, just people will know this will set a precedent. Because now yeah. you can murder young black men that you think are suspicious and then collect a bounty for it. So exactly. This he was paid. Go he's got degree. money from this. He's yeah. been paid. Exactly. You know, exactly. People gave tons of money to him. You know, and then, I mean, and then it looks like he tried to hide the money, and he ended up getting in trouble because he was telling his wife to basically hide the money because he told the ju- um, the judge that he did not have enough money to retain counsel. So that tells you right there, you know, um, you know what type of integrity or lack thereof that he's operating on. You all have a call um, here. I believe this is Deborah. Yeah, how y'all doing? Deborah, Dick. We're doing all right. Okay. Hello? Hello? Oh, okay. Hey, how you doing? I, I, I was hearing an echo. How y'all doing? Doing all right. All right. Good. You know, this case, this case, because he don't broke two rules, he didn't, he didn't follow his orders, this case shouldn't be, it shouldn't have been no more than a day old, and that's it, because he's guilty as hell, you know, and he know it. You know, I mean, but and for them to, if they let his, but if they let his big ass go, it's gonna be some problems. It's gonna be some. I think it's gonna be some big problems behind this. It is, and I really um, agree because, like I said, it sets a precedent that yeah. now my son's in danger because some zealot can see him walking down the street. You know, going hell, going to a recruiter's office. You know, most of the men in my family become soldiers. He could be coming from the cruise office. Oh, he looks dangerous. Let me go kill him now, and it'll, it'll be on the news, and then I'll get away scot-free. And that's what really bothers me about this. And, of course, um, somebody, somebody I know is going to hear this, and, oh, well, I'm being biased. No, before I even knew the, any of the races, uh, any of the races of folks who were involved, I looked at, okay, there, there's this guy who was told to stand down, and pretty, well, my turn, break contact, and he refused to do that. And now he got an altercation, somebody's dead. Who do you think mm-hmm. their fault? Yeah. You know, I think I really think though that um I really think that when he got arrested they knew the situ how the situation was gonna be. I think them police busted his head open. Because they showed his picture. Now I understand that your eyes can get black as, as time goes on. You know, if you get hit you know, it don't immediately get black. But his head if it was busted up against that semen, would have showed up as he was getting arrested. And they showed, a, they showed a picture of him, of his head, time he got arrested, and it was just like a little bump, you know, looked like a little swollen. It would have been bleached. And I think they did that because they know. Uh, you know what? Even if he was, even if he was, and I, I stated this before, even if George Zimmerman was bleeding, even if he was bumped up and scuffed up, so what? That's what's supposed to happen when you walk right. up on somebody that you don't know and exactly. then you act in an aggressive manner. You but can't do this. To... You, cannot, you cannot walk up on cats <laughs> that don't know you without them raising up their fur and, and hissing at you. What makes Tell you think you can walk up on a human being? 
hey, they don't know who you are, they don't know where you're from, and you're just going to come at them in any old way you want on a dark, stormy night. Really? That's okay. Right. you got to be crazy. The only thing that's... The only reason George Zimmerman is alive right now is because Trayvon Martin didn't have a gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got that right. Let's just really be that, let's be honest. And then also too, again, it goes back to this this gun culture thing, where um, you know people turn themselves into cowboys. They turn themselves into cowboy cops, you know, that they see in the action movies and lethal weapon. But in the real world, listen. In the military, and I'm not military, so, you know, Alfred, Kim, you guys can correct me, but in the police and in the military, if you get told to stand down and you violate that, you're not going to be an officer, you're not going to be an officer or or a soldier for much longer, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. Go ahead. The UCMJ will make sure of that. Yeah. Yeah, so right, Alfred. So, now, yes, you're you are definitely correct because they will bust you down to the lowest level. And you'll still be working, but you won't have the capacity to do what you continue to do. And then you exactly. have two trials. You have a military trial and you have a civil trial. Mm-hmm. So yep. you know it, it's that it's that same gun culture. I know I know that I am the law. Like all of a sudden he became Judge Dredd. I'm the law, and it's like no, mm-hmm. that's not even how the law works. If you're a cop and you have to actually shoot somebody, most cops, well, you know, unfortunately, we don't. Not every cop plays by that those kinds of rules and stuff. But any cop will pretty much tell you if I have to discharge this weapon, I gotta hand it over to IA Internal Affairs, and then I gotta explain what I did, and then there's a review board, then there's paperwork, and dot 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 until I'm cleared. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they all they do a lot of them do follow the rules. You know, you got some cats out there that give the cops in the military a bad name, but for the most part, nobody wants that headache. So they take a long time to draw those weapons before they do what they do. You know? So, yeah, it's, he had it in his head to do what he did. Yeah, and then I'm going to I'm gonna say one more thing, and then i got to go. i got to get back to uh, <laughs> doing doing this work. But um, I found something interesting when you were missing gun culture. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait for the uh, the NRA to to endorse Trayvon Martin and and put out a slogan, well, if Trayvon would have had a gun, this wouldn't happen. I, I can't wait for that. Oh, wow. I know y'all can't either. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's cute. That's cute. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. It's the truth. Yeah, if, if he had a gun, it wouldn't have ended that way. Yeah, but we all know young black teens with guns. Uh, it's looked at a little bit differently, though. That, that's irony. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Not Chris. Yeah. You know, Chris Rock said it said it best. It's all right when it's all right. And and the truth of the matter is, it's the it's the actual the biggest elephant in this room. It is about race. The reason that we are here in two thousand and June of two thousand and thirteen is because Trayvon Martin is a young black man. Had he been, he's Trayvon Benjamin Martin, a young black man, but had it been Benjamin Martin, uh, a, a white teenage boy, mm-hmm. doing the same exact thing, this, mm-hmm. George Zimmerman would be serving his second year of, of second-degree man's uh, murder. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. We are, he, it wouldn't have been a question. You ignored a, a, a direct order from the police. You ignored the protocols of your station 
and you pursued somebody aggressively and your actions resulted in their death, and can you really believe that? And, and here's how race is, and George Zimmerman is actually fortunate. He just killed somebody darker than him. He's right. George Zimmerman is Hispanic. Can you imagine yeah. George Zimmerman, a Hispanic man, having shot yeah. an unarmed white person? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So he wouldn't have got that bounty. It, it would have been a wrap. It would have been a wrap. He would have been in prison right now, rotten in jail. He's just right. he's just fortunate that he's a little he's light enough to get away with it. Mm-hmm. Because believe me, he would have been reminded real quick if he was that he's Hispanic had he shot mm-hmm. a seventeen year old white Benjamin Martin mm-hmm. instead of Trayvon Martin, a young black kid. He's just lucky that he's a little bit higher on the color scale. Mm-hmm. Because all and, 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 they, and, listen, they would have shut down the borders mm-hmm. <laughs> if George Zimmerman had exactly. shot a white teenager. Yeah. Exactly. It would have affected yeah. everything no, from gun control to immigrants. You know, That's you would have right, been reminded real quick. Trust me, I recognize that George Zimmerman is Hispanic. And his father is right. You know, All right, ladies and gentlemen. I got hey, to hear good to hear from you, man. I appreciate appreciate the opportunity. I, you know, I was sorry, I was a little bit late, but uh, it was definitely a good conversation. I had to look up on the archives first 30 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was great to hear from you, brother, man. You did right, the same, man. Take care, friend. All right, take it easy. You know, and it's, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. It's a very uh, important thing to understand. Um, we're, we're still a very, it's still a very class-related, very race-related case. Uh, it, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have gotten this far had it been a young white person, a young Caucasian teenager. No. And no, no, nobody in the world would have defended him. But there's this stigma where we're all hostages to it, all young black, all black men, period. I'm, I'm almost 40, and i got to watch how I, from, from birth, most young black men have to learn how to carry themselves in the outside world. We got to walk exactly. different. We got to talk different. We got to act mm-hmm. different because any 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 moves that I make that that can be taken, you know, out of context or aggressively, you know, perceived as if a I, That's right. Mhm. I mean, it, 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 if I do anything, I have to watch how I would. And it's not just me. It's every black man around me. We all got to do the same thing, man. Be, and women. Yeah, and women. Right. And women, too. We we all have to take on a different stance, a different kind of way to move, a different kind of way to know. And it doesn't matter what my politics are. You think mm-hmm. it, 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 whoever wants to take out a brother, it don't matter if you, you, you're Louis Farrakhan or Herman Cain. You're going to catch it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's far too many, far too many examples to cite. So you learn how to move around. And the fact, um, the, the sad fact was, it, they bring up the fact he's wearing a hoodie, so he looks suspicious. Well, what are you supposed to do on a rainy day? Right. <laughs> so, exactly. I mean, so and, and and again, it's a very sad thing. If it was a young white teenager, they wouldn't have brought up the fact. They wouldn't try to make him responsible for his death. That's the shame exactly. uh, right now. That, yeah. That's the shame of this entire case. Exactly. It had to be that, you know. And 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 I wanted to touch on a point that's just really ridiculous and it hurts. 
it hurts that grown people even bring this up. And it was the fact that Trayvon Martin said, I'm being fired. Some crack-ass cracker, some creepy-ass crackers following me. Okay, and if you're listening, if you're of the dissenting opinion, uh, conservative or whatever you are, let's put it out there and get it out the way. Trayvon Martin was wrong for calling George Zimmerman a cracker. First of all, he's Hispanic. Let's go with that. You win. He shouldn't have called him a cracker. But I, I'll say this in his defense. He was 17. And he probably would have had enough time to grow up and realize that the words that came out of his mouth were wrong. If somebody hadn't gone and shot him in the chest. He probably wouldn't have said that. He just was saying that to his to, to his friend yeah, on the phone. Yeah, he probably but, wouldn't have but, said but, it out there, you know, in public no. so much, you know. But, yeah. you know, that's and, still, you know, look at all the names know, that... That uh, uh, what time with the guy that, that killed him? Look, I mean, he, you know, he he wasn't he was it was not like he wasn't saying bad things too. Oh no, of course, but no, no, I was just playing devil's advocate there. I was just giving some was babies. And he he was grown. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I'm not in any disagreement. What I was doing right there was I was just giving some babies their bathwater because that's what Don the George Zimmerman's defense is doing right now. Well, it was mm-hmm. race. It was racist on both sides. He was just as racist as George Zimmerman. No, was he walking around looking for white guys with guns? No, was a white man, was a Hispanic, a white Hispanic man looking for young black men with a gun? Yes. Yep. Right. I mean, let's just be real. Let's just mm-hmm. be real. If you want to play that game, let's see who did what. <laughs> right. Trayvon Martin said an insulting word. You know, yeah. I probably would have looked around and said, who the hell is this honky father me? Hey, I know me too. And let me tell you what my words would have been. My words, mm-hmm. you know, Trayvon Martin wasn't diplomatic enough to, to, to kind of keep his language clean and said, hey, a cra- some creepy-ass crackers following me. My mm-hmm. words on the phone call like, hold on, some motherfucker is behind me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That, yeah, that's about right, right there, right. Yeah. And but I would have called the police. Or you would have heard the transcript. Huh? Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I would have. No, I'm saying I would have called the police while the person at the you know call you know was following me and I recognized it. I would have called the police while I continued to walk to my destination. And I would have put it on speakerphone, and I would have told the police to have somebody following me, and I want them to record, because, I mean, I know it's recorded. And I would have said, you know, please, we need to get someone here. Otherwise, you know, we're not sure what was going to happen, but I would have wanted it recorded on an official type of level. See, my thing is, you know, there are times when you have to record situations like that, especially if the other person is intending to harm you in some capacity or another. Exactly. And, you know, it's sad. It's sad in a way that this is a lesson as we go on that I have to teach my son now. If you feel somebody's following you, call the police and make sure they record the call. That's what i got to teach my son. And against, and against something and someone who should be of an authority. It's like people really don't understand the experience or the what the experience of a young black person is, a young black man or a young black woman where we have to come up with ways to 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 de escalate the likelihood yeah. of our you know 
to, 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 to lessen yep. the likelihood that we're going to come home dead. And not from criminals. But let me put, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm less afraid of thugs and gangsters than I am of actual police officers. That's not the way life is supposed to be. Right. And, and yes, yeah. and, you know, Alfred made the statement, Alfred made a statement, it sets a precedent. And here's the thing. It has already started setting a precedent. We can point to the young man that was just shot. He was shot, I believe, it was St. John's Bluff in Jacksonville. I was I used to work right there at the radio station, not far away from where a young man got shot. In a similar, uh, he was playing his music too loud, and they all looked threatening to me. So a guy walked up and lights up a truck full of kids, children. Yeah, yeah I remember. It's that. already wow. happening. It's already yeah. happening. Right there, it's Jacksonville, Florida. They yeah. shot that young man in cold blood. He drove off and he said, "Hey, man, I felt threatened. I had a gun." Mm-hmm. Yeah. They told him yeah. to turn. I told them to turn it down. Which, when you think about it, this and, and it goes back to this old thing. This and and, and 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 it goes back to this old thing about from the southern, from the old south and stuff like that, where mm-hmm. you as a as grown people, you can't walk up to me and tell me I'm on my own property or I'm in my own car, do you think you can walk up to me and tell me what to do with my own property? Mm-hmm. That's some old white, that's old school white privilege. That's right. Well, you that's can walk up thing. to a grown, you can walk up to an old, a grown black man and call him boy, mm-hmm. and he's supposed to respond to you. Yeah. Right. That is old right. school white privilege. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, and, 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 and they do the same thing to black women. You know, I've had someone call me gal. Within the past couple mm-hmm. of years, yeah, and I yeah. just kind of looked better, and she could tell from the look that I gave her. She kind of tried to back it up a little bit, but you know, this is someone that we considered as pretty liberal, pretty progressive, and so, I was like, "You do not understand why that's offensive." Now, if you're talking to your friends, like you know, some of my friends will get to talk, and I'm like, "Girl, please," but but that's part of the vernacular there. You know, we're friends and we're you know, having a conversation, and it's girl, not gal. See, there's a difference mm-hmm. between gal and boy, and, yeah. you know, totally different. And, again, you know, sometimes some of these people, this is so ingrained in their being that they, it's a way of life for them. So when we become offended by some of this terminology, they truly do not understand why, especially right. if no one has ever challenged them before or corrected them. So exactly. when exactly. we challenge and we correct them, they should learn, but many of them continue on. I mean, that, you know, basically the the living example of that now is the Paula Dean issue. And when she did, yeah. and the thing, She's you know, I so am, I... get on that. Yeah, I don't she want to said, get on the that was just an example. She said, I am who I oh. is. Yeah, you know, you know I am who I she, is. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. It is. That's ridiculous. And, but what and, I'm saying is, go ahead. And, 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 to, and to bring it back to the to the trial and to, to, to say so, and, again, it's that privilege that extends even to the defense attorneys. To, to think for a second in any other scenario where, where, where they would put an unarmed boy up against a, a, an older person and, and, and try to equate their actions, it's ridiculous. And only in a case like this, and only in a situation like this, could they do so. It's and like, it really? 
I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead and finish. I was getting ready to say, I almost went through the, through the TV when that when yeah. that lawyer was 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 questioning uh what her name Janelle did 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 Oh uh, Rachel Jean Yes. Man Oh see he don't know. I mean I could feel the the fire in her. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like she could almost jump across that bad boy and knock the doodle out of him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would I probably would have did it because, I mean it it seemed to me he the they they didn't even the other people that came up there to testify, they didn't do that to them. No. And, it was a whole and different again, attitude. And again, and I don't attitude. know if you guys have I don't know if you guys have been following on um well, you know, just social media or whatever. But it seems to be a little bit of brouhaha coming up in regards to the young man in regards to um Zimmerman's defense attorney, Don West, because he's now he had, I think his daughter took a picture of him. And uh, him and I guess someone else, another female in the car with them eating ice cream, and they said they defeated stupidity, and they put it up on her Instagram. But the the account has since been taken down. But of course, it's the internet, so nothing ever really goes away. Um, you know, it's out there now, where you know he's kind of celebrating the fact that he 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 took great steps to humiliate a person. And again, it goes back to that issue of white privilege, where he can look down his nose at this you know, he's born on third acting like he's hit a you know, he like he hit a triple. So he can look at somebody right. who never even got a chance to get onto the field. Mhm. and I don't care what his his I don't care what his economic situation was coming up, but I will guarantee, I would bet money that his his economic situation that led to where he is in life now is nowhere near what Rachel Jantal is currently experiencing. Because yeah. her story's not over yet. We don't know where she's going to turn out, you know. Just might be a, a chance for her to turn her life around, but That's right. it's it's that it's that white privilege. You had the opportunity that she didn't get, but you want to act like y'all are on the same ground, and then you want to look down. She may not be educated, but she sure as hell wasn't stupid. So I know I, I'm not, I don't have. I heard she hmm? speaks three languages. She does, and again, and, she and, was asked to and, speak in the language that she's she's least fluent in. And uh, Gula, she she grew up in the Gula, uh, you know, uh, area. So you know. No, well, let's there. put it like this. Let's put it like this. She's a Haitian that grew up in the Dominican Republic and then migrated to the United States. But she got more. So than let's I put got. it like this. So she speaks Creole, which is the mm-hmm. native, is the native language of Haiti. She speaks Spanish, which is the native language of the Dominican Republic, and then she came here and learned English. So she yeah. knows she actually knows more languages than your average American. Thank I'd you. I'd love to bump into an American that speaks three languages. And then, Thank you. for the most part, for the most part, and again to her credit, she has to go through her days speaking the language that she's least fluent in, but mm-hmm. she's managed exactly. to do so for the last nineteen years. That's right. Or at least 15 That's right. years of her life. That's right. That's why exactly. she looked at him. And you can see it in the eyes. said, this is one stupid-ass nigga. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what his intent was. You and know? the shame of it is, and, and we spoke about it earlier, the shame of it is is that, you know, some of us were only too happy to jump on his bandwagon and do his work exactly. for him. Yeah. We discredited his witness. Our people discredited his witness. That exactly. witness. Exactly. You know? So, yeah, I mean, it's a 
Go ahead. No, no, I'm done. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, no I was just me. saying, you know. Oh, go ahead, Deborah. No, it wasn't me. It was you. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, you know, the whole thing was, like I said, you know, we need to sit back and we need to reevaluate. Because it was not only with, you know, uh, Ms. John Tall, but there were other people like Charles Ramsey in Ohio and other, you know, there are several other examples. But with um, Mr. Ramsey in Ohio, he, he helped the police to solve that case. He helped that young woman out of that house, which led to them discovering the other two young women. And yeah. people only focused on his hair and his, his physical appearance and his, right. you know, articulation or what have you. And, again, you know, it goes back to an article that, you know, I shared out, and it was talking about, the uppity Negro issues we have in our community, in which basically there are some of us that will say, well, why did they choose this person? Because now they're embarrassed because they're concerned with what white people will think. And we have to get over that. We have to get, look, it does not matter if you have a masterful command of the English language. There will still be some people out there who will think that you're ignorant and stupid by virtue of the color of your skin. It does not matter if you drive a Jaguar. It does not matter if you live in a $1 million-plus home. You have not arrived in certain people's eyes. And we have to learn how to get over that and stop trying to live up to a certain image that many of these people who created that image, they can't live up to it either. So we, we exactly. there's a lot of exactly. work that needs to be done in our community. Go ahead. I mean, take a look at the take. I'm sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. No, go ahead. Now, I mean, perfect example. Look at the sitting president of the United States and his wife. Yeah. I mean, a magna cum laude this first black president of Harvard Law Review. He's got so many accolades, it's ridiculous. He's a professor, he's a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and again, it goes back to the privilege in this country, the privilege, white privilege, that a, a, a woman who barely got out of community college can insult his credentials. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nowhere near his accomplishments. Nowhere near the accomplishments, but Michelle Bachman and Rick Santorum, and they could all get on their high horses and point at him and say, eh, you're a fluke. Yeah. Or, or, exactly. or you must have, it must have been affirmative action. That's how you got it. I don't care what kind of affirmative action it is. You don't get, you don't get to become the first president of the Harvard Law Review uh, by, you know, getting a 2.0 grade average. You've got to be pretty damn good at what you do. That's regardless of what our politics are with the president, like him or not. He's an accomplished scholar. That's the end of the story. But people can, people can, it will do that. And my mind is, why are we doing this man's job for him? Why are you doing John West's job for him? Mm-hmm. And that's really where it comes down to. We have been taught to hate ourselves so badly. So badly. That, that's right. That, that anything that reflects on our experience, we must shun it. Mm-hmm. People don't like exactly. Rachel Jean-Tal because she reminds them of yourself. They remind you of exactly. you. And you've got to ask yourself, again, what were the circumstances that led to this young lady being in, that, the, into, in these situations? No one, no one 
has ever. I I can't think of one poor black person that woke up in the daytime and said, "I I don't want to be. I don't want to have a good life. I don't want an education. I just want to be up in this house getting food stamps." Anyone who tells you that is lying. Yeah, they're lying. Exactly. It's yeah. not even. Yeah, and so these. This is what's this 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 case at the end of the day. It's about all the demons that America refuses to face. It's 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 our it's our views about race. It's our views about class. It's our views right. about uh, um, education. It's our views about everything. It's about all the stuff that America likes to sweep under the carpet. Yeah. Brought in front of us now in stark reality. Because it's the end result. It's the end result. Here's what happens when you don't deal with it. Here's what happens when we don't deal with race. Here's what happens when we don't deal with class. Here's what we don't. What happens when we don't deal with with prejudice, discrimination, economic disparity. Trayvon Martin is what happens when we don't deal with those things. That's what happens. Right. Young boys get shot dead in the streets. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and as long as we don't deal with that, as long as we don't face it, that's what's going to happen. As long as there's going to be another one. There was another one not that long after him. Somebody felt that because George Zimmerman managed to get away for 44 days, I can do it too. Uh-huh. What's right. it going to be next time? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what Go ahead. No, I mean, it, it, that, that's what it is. What's it going to be next time? Trayvon Martin was just walking home. The young man in Jacksonville was just sitting in the back of the car. He wasn't even the driver. What's it going to be the next time? Exactly. Exactly. And and that's the whole thing. Um, you know, that's what I was concerned about because, you know, if George Zimmerman walks and there are a lot of people who actually think that he's going to walk, you know, from this trial. Basically, you know, will it give license to other folks to claim stand your ground? Because, you know, there have been quite a few shootings, not only in Florida, but in, a, you know, a multitude of places in which, you know, people have shot, you know, a young kid of color and claim stand your ground. Now, is this going to give people more of an incentive to, you know, go out and, you know, basically execute young people of color. I mean, seriously. So, I mean, what are we going to do? And if that starts and it happens, then how do we proceed? Yeah. And and I don't know, man. Part of me is like, well, you know, Huey, Brother Huey had a good point when he started selling, when he started trying to, with the Panthers. I don't see why that's bad, but... You know, it, let's let's be honest. It's not. I, I don't know, and I don't want to say. I, I I fear for it. I really hope that these these jurors, you know, regardless of the fact that 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 that, that they're you know Caucasian and one Latina, um, I do hope that they can see at least use common sense. Use common sense. It's not. It's, this case is not that complicated. You know what I'm saying. This case is we're here because somebody disobeyed a direct. They disobeyed a, 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 a order from the police to stand out. It was somebody who instigated something. Only one person had a gun that day. Only one person was out there with an intent to confront someone. 
You don't go, if you're going out for a fight, do you normally stop and get a snack? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? If you're, going out, if you're going out there to mix up with somebody, are you just going to stop and get a little, you know, a, a, a quick pick-me-up from your local 7-Eleven? No. Mm-hmm. Are you going to go rob somebody? Are you going to stop and get a little that- something to munch on because cause burglary is such hungry work? Mm-hmm. No. Exactly. But there was only one person out there that night. This is, like I said, mm-hmm. had Trayvon Martin been a, a, a Caucasian child, this wouldn't even be an argument. George Zimmerman would have been locked away already. But because right. he's black, and, and here's the thing, he's black, and in in in, in the mind, and, and, and our media is also to blame for this, they helped to promote this idea that there was more to his actions than what really than what it really was. He couldn't just be a young black man walking home from the store. He had to be out there doing something. Exactly. exactly. And that goes back, that ties into the conversation we had Wednesday night. And those of you, if you get a chance to go and listen to the archives from Wednesday night, we talked about the Supreme Court decisions. It was actually an excellent conversation. But it goes back to what we were talking about, how walking through the door, we come in at a disadvantage. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's walking, you know, through the little gated community, and he's going home. He's peaceful. He's on the phone. And George Zimmerman automatically suspected that he was guilty of some sort of crime. Now, from my understanding, they had some issues, I guess some break-in in that community, um, you know, around that same time. But whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty? In this case, he was guilty until proven innocent. And the person that killed him basically is being rewarded for taking, you know, one of those punks out. And we're supposed to live in a post-racial society? Really? Seriously? How does this work? If this post-racial, then I shudder to think that what's going to be happening three to five years from now. Yeah. And, you know, it's just really sad. Again, and I'm not just talking as somebody, I'm just a spectator. I could very well be, and and every, every black man that walks around, even to my father's age, my father's almost 70, he's in this group too. At any given moment, I could be Trayvon Martin. Right. And and exactly. we live with that. Every exactly. black man just keeps and counts himself as fortunate. Any day where I didn't get tased or I didn't get shot or I didn't get incarcerated wrongly or I didn't get harassed or pulled over or frisked, Mm-hmm. And in my lifetime, I've never been arrested. I've never been to prison. I've never been in jail. But I've been stopped a bunch of times. I've been frisked a bunch of times. I've been searched and embarrassed. I was in the car with my wife and children. <laughs> and people right. were asking, can I search? Is there anything in the car that I need to know about? My son? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, and and I, could, I could easily be Trayvon Martin. I could easily be him. And any 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 any, it, I can tell you any black man or any black person these days. It's met women women are catching it too. Um, the young That's man right. that got shot in the in the, the young man that got shot in the train station in Oakland. What was his crime? What was exactly. his crime? You know exactly. what I'm saying? It, 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 we all live with that fear, and it's just like listen. 
I don't want nothing special from anybody. I don't want some kind of special privilege because of the color of my skin. Matter of fact, I, I wish it didn't matter to people so much. I'm just like anybody else. I'm a tax. I'm a hardworking, tax-paying American. But when I go to the store, you know, people get all tense. I go in the elevators and people get all nervous. I'm not even thinking about you. I got my own money. I got my own job. I don't need anything from anybody else. I work pretty hard for people. I work for a very right. long time. And what's so crazy and, and, about? And, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, sweetheart, please. No, I was just going to say, it's it's really freaky to me that America think it's, you know, the people think this is the best country in the whole wide world. It's, you know, it's, the point is, it's not it's not what you do, it's how you do it. I mean, the mm-hmm. killing, they, they got their way of killing, and we got our way of killing here. It's still killing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's still killing. It's just a little sneaky. And then and when the somebody is, else start, and then when somebody else start doing what they doing, oh, they against the law. Yeah. <laughs> Please. That's I mean, all. we no, we live in a society unfair, and, and sadly, again, it doesn't matter what my accomplishments are. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter what I've achieved, or the fact that I have a, a family of my own. If somebody just see me walking wrong or don't think I belong where I don't belong in my in the community that I live in, I pay my bills just like anyone else. But if somebody looks at me and thinks I don't belong there, I have been stopped by police where they ask me something as stupid as, "What are you doing here?" Exactly. I have had that happen. Go ahead, Deborah. I was just saying I have too. I one night. Um, well, my ex and I had stopped. We were going to a restaurant, and we wanted to conversate. So we had stopped in this parking lot. Right, well, the the restaurant was right across the street, and I wanted to talk to him about something. And this cop ran up with his gun, and I mean, he was the gun was shaking like a leaf, shaking like a leaf. And and what 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 and don't don't move. But he wanted us to go in and show the license, but we couldn't move. You know how can you you got to go in the glove compartment? He was shaking like a leaf, and I don't know what would have happened, but they called him on the little thing and said we got the people. And what had happened? Somebody had did some robbing. And when I looked up the thing in the in the newspaper, the car was different. The people were white. How the hell they get me mixed up with somebody white? Exactly. Well, it was completely different, completely car different and everything. And he was shaking. In fact, he could have shot us just from his shaking. I think if you're that scared to be a policeman, you shouldn't be a policeman. Exactly. Oh, I and, agree. And I agree wholeheartedly. And you have to think back to some other examples in which they say it's a black male suspect because this has happened in Chicago on several occasions. And, I mean, I'm not even just talking about this year. I'm talking about since I was a little girl and, you know, on several different occasions in which they say they're looking for a black male and they stop every black male they see. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if the guy that, you know, they're looking for was bald. They're stopping guys with cornrows. They're stopping guys of you know, braids or what have you, and mm-hmm. it's just it's unbelievable some of what we have to deal with, and then they wonder why we have 
high incidences of, you know, high blood pressure and other types of, exactly. uh, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. Entonology is on the line with us now. Entonology, are you there? Yes, I am here, and uh, thank you for taking my call, Kim, and much blessings to all the distinguished panel members. Um, I'd just like to chime in. I had to, I had to jump through some hoops just to get my phone back because when I came home, I saw that you guys were on, and I was like, oh, yes, because I don't, I don't really know the schedule. So I was like, oh, yeah, and then all of a sudden I didn't even have my phone. I don't have a landline. Fast forward. Um, in regards to the, um, the, the case that is encapsulating the whole American public, and this is one of the things that I try to get people to understand is that when we get into these legal arguments, we have to deal with the law the way that it is. Now, we all know, we all know, common sense tells us, Zimmerman was wrong all day long, all day night. It don't matter how that works out. However, when you get in the courtroom and you look at the actual evidence, there is nothing in the evidence that is giving us a telling story of exactly what happened. And, and, and before everybody chimes in, here's what I'm saying, is that Judge Nelson has already let it be known. We, we can't talk about racial profiling. We're not going to get into George Zimmerman's uh, psychological path and the fact that he's on psychological medication that's not, that's inadmissible. Uh, we're not going to, and at the same time, we can't talk about the fact that Trayvon smoked weed, even though that has nothing to do with it, regardless of it. But, but, but here's the thing. Too many people are focusing on the fight that happened, if you want to call it a fight, altercation, right. scuffle, whatever the case may be. Everybody, everybody wants to talk about, what happened at that moment. However, nobody witnessed it. Now, there was a guy that was on trial today who said, well, I saw Trayvon on top of him doing some martial arts stuff. And, and, and this is the thing that I say. When you are in a family, and follow me on this, folks, when you're in a family where your father is a retired magistrate judge, your uncle is a sheriff. Your mom is a court clerk. Everybody in your family is a part of the judicial system. Mm -hmm. So you want to be a part of that. And you're going to try to be a part of that in any way possible. And I know that you guys have already touched on this. When uh, Zimmerman approached the guy, see, what diffuses this whole argument is when you approach a guy and say, hey, this is all you got to say if you're Zimmerman. Hey, I'm part of the neighborhood watch. We've had some burglaries. I just want to make sure everything is all right. Um, is this an area where you live? Case closed. We're done. There's no confrontation. Now, 
once he doesn't say that, because we we get the tapes, Trayvon says, what do you want? Zimmerman says, what are you doing here? Trayvon already knows. You've been following me. Dude, you've been following me for about 20 minutes. What's happening? Okay, so I guess we got to get out for it. And Zimmerman is one of those people where he, he, he got handled, and he couldn't handle that. So he was like, once he got handled, he was like, okay, guess what, young bruh? No, I'm not, I'm not going down like this. This is how I'm going to handle it. The whole point of me bringing that up is, is that we live in a society where, just like the young brother was saying, just like the sister was saying, when, when, when you're a young black man, I'm 52 years old. I'm from Oakland, California. I grew up on the dope turf. I know how it goes down, okay? You don't, you don't follow somebody when you know something's going down. That's not what you do. You go in the other direction. And the fact that he followed this kid and the fact that he precipitated the whole event is a slam dunk. However, in the court of law, the evidence doesn't actually coincide with it. So we're asking a jury, what we're asking a jury to do is to reconstruct what actually happened. And based on the evidence, they're not going to be able to do that. I'm sorry. You're not going to get six people to agree that, okay, well, this happened, this happened, this happened, and as a result, this happened, and, yeah, he killed the guy. They're not, they're not going to do that. And I just want to fall back for a minute because I know I've been talking. I want to fall back for a minute and just hear what you guys' comments are on that. Well, we, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you in the statements that you made, but I, I have to hope, and I'm holding out hope, you know, we, we, we live, I have to let, ju- you know, justice run its course. Um, that's the first thing. Um, that said, I got to hope that at least these jurors are have some measure of common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not, regardless of what gets allowed or not allowed in it, we have to hope that they would exercise some kind of common sense in the situation. Regardless of what happened, and I, I stated before, I don't really care if um, Trayvon Martin got into a scrap with George Zimmerman. That is natural. Anybody comes at you trying to trying to give trying to take you out or comes at you aggressively, and if I and I agree with you, and I agree with you. That's not even that's not even the point. The scuffle's not even the point. But but the the scuffle's not the issue, and that's what I hope the jurors take into context. I mean, uh, 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 fine, they got into a scuffle, but here's the thing: would they have gotten into a scuffle if George Zimmerman had listened to the to the nine one one operator at the call? And the answer is no. The answer is no. I, I mean, if legal or not, what what courtrooms or not, at the end of the day, Trayvon Martin is dead because George Zimmerman took it upon himself to confront him. Right. At the very I, least, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, brother. But you and can't I, say. Saying, but you can't. But you can't say legal or not, because no, this, no, it's, I, it's I, all about it's all about what's legal now. 
I know. I, 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 I'm not trying to push anything legal to the side, but I am saying I would hope that when the jury finally goes gets the question and goes into the um goes into the, the jury room, um, I do hope that they do take that into consideration. It's we can you can dance back and forth with a lot of things, but at the end of the day, George Zimmerman was told not to pursue Trayvon Martin. And he's, oh, he's totally, that. he's that's totally at fault. He's totally at fault. That shows intent. That shows intent. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. To me, that and, means, and, and, and if and, we're and talking legally, if we're okay, talking legally, that shows intent. If, if 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 that shows intent, which means that totally falls within the parameters of what we would call second degree murder. Right. So well, second second degree murder, second degree. Second-degree murder means that there is a premeditation element, right. meaning that meaning that there was something predetermined in terms of what you're doing. And you have to understand, and I'm not saying this to discredit what you're saying, but I'm just saying that for the people who are listening, you have to understand law in which it is indiscriminary towards each different state. So in the state of Florida... It's, it's a second-degree murder case. However, the second-degree murder is predicated on premeditation. And I think they could get him on manslaughter. And, it, and, and here's the caveat. Here's the caveat to this whole thing. When the feds came in, because the feds came in, this is what nobody's talking about, because everybody slept on it. And then the, the community was in an uproar. The feds came in. If they tried this on a hate crime, this would be a slam dunk. Dunk. It would be exactly. done. It would but, be but see, done. Because everything, everything right that Judge Nelson. Basically, after this is all done and over with, and if Zimmerman, if Zimmerman wants, the federal government may step in. And charge him. Well, well, well. What hap- what's going to happen is, if Zimmerman walks, then we got the civil lawsuit where they're going to try yeah, to re- they're trying they're going to try to get damages. However, right, by if, if, right. however, if if once the federal government came in because of the outcry of the community, if they would have came in and actually took over. Everything that Judge Nelson is not being allowed, which is certain excerpts from the 911 tapes, certain things she is not allowing because she doesn't want race to be interjected into the whole argument. If this was adjudicated as a hate crime, oh, he's done. He's done. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, I agree. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, personally, I I think it's a mistake not to let those um nine one. And I also think it's a mistake to not to for for the for anyone anyone to try and say that race didn't play a role in it. Um, it's wrong to it's wrong for uh, it, it did it did and it is an integral part of what happened. And I'm so glad you're because, bringing this up, brother, because I've been telling I mean, everybody that it, it, from day one. Yeah, it, it is a part and, of and, and everybody's every everybody's trying to smoke screen it like, oh, well, 
because you know the the fancy argument, the sexy argument right now is that oh, it's not a race issue. It's about stand your ground. It's about um, self defense. And I'm here in Georgia now. I'm from Oakland, California, but I've been to Georgia for the last ten years. We got the same law. And I talked to right. a Florida lawyer about the Sandra Brown law. And I and I asked him, I said, well, it seems like this law is really arbitrary because it, it, it sounds like it talks about the perception of a threat. Not so much that, and I gave him, I gave him an example. I live in an apartment complex, and I'm running for the bus. And then somebody sees me coming into the complex, running towards them, and they don't know I'm running for the bus, but they think I'm running at them. And then all of a sudden, they shoot me, and they're a licensed gun carrier. I said, and I asked them, I said, well, what's happened? What happens in that? He says, well, if you're not wielding a knife or you're, you're not obviously threatening them, then, yeah, the stand-your-ground law stands. He said, however... I understand what you're saying because it's all about perception, and that's the gray area. Right, but I mean, the the majority of these laws, the majority of these laws in situations like that, they are arbitrary in nature and subjectively applied. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. It's absolutely because it's like this. If you, you, to not allow those things in, it, 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 you, you can't say race is not a part of it. It is. It absolutely was, and you have to you have to take that into effect into account. There was a perception. There was a perception. There's nothing about George Zimmerman's past as a as 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 a, as a um is, as a part of that neighborhood watch that would lead anyone to believe that his search for those fucking punks, as he said it extended to people other than young African-American males. There it is. There's nothing there about it, it. So that's why it should there be allowed in. And, yet, hey, it's like this. If Chris Brown was going into court right now, wouldn't you, don't you think that they would allow his previous um, abuse of Rihanna to come into the case? Why yes. is it that George Zimmerman's yes. um, more violent outbursts or dependency on drugs and, and the effects that those things may have had on him not been allowed in here? Don't leave out the fact that he's had three convictions. Um, exactly. What was, the, what was the first one? He had um, um, molestation, molestation, domestic violence, and then he had two run-ins with the cops, and the third run-in he had was, uh, was punishable by a felony because it involved a firearm where he he actually subdued a cop. And all right. Now, and if, uh, magically, go ahead, go ahead. all that disappeared. Yeah, yeah because, right. and they're trying, again, they're trying to put Trayvon Martin and, and George Zimmerman on equal ground. And it's not fair, because it's like this. Trayvon, George Zimmerman has been arrested for domestic violence, molestation, and attacking a police officer and wheeling a firearm. Trayvon exactly. Martin got suspended from exactly. school because they found residue, not marijuana, mm-hmm. residue yeah. from marijuana in his bag. Exactly. They saw a picture of him on Facebook exhaling weed smoke. 
And I'm not even going to get on the flawed war on drugs and how <laughs> stupid the whole prison is. That's a whole right. other can of worms right there. We're going to leave that for another right. discussion. But there's nothing about this young boy. There's nothing about And if you're going to bring up the fact that Trayvon Martin that uh, had taken pictures with a gun, then you need to That, that has nothing to do with nothing. It has nothing and to do with absolutely, nothing. Absolutely. It is not. But if you allow in the fact, and then Trayvon Martin's father, and do you even want to consider the amount of people that may have gone to jail unfairly because of this guy? Did you hear about what he said, what he blamed on his son's um, uh, son situation, the NBA, the NAACP, the National Association of Black see, Journalists. See, 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 now, now, now you're getting into a whole nother man. You get so, so, you, so you, you open up, you opening up a can of worms now. So you're gonna sit down there and tell me with all of that, starting from the father, and the apple never falls that far from the tree. Right. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You're gonna say all of that stuff's excluded. All that's excluded, and then try to convince people that perception didn't play a role in what led to Trayvon Martin's death. Oh, that most, most, most definitely. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I just wanna, I wanna say this, and I'm just gonna listen to the closing arguments. As black people, I think we understand things a lot better than other people do, because we have been subjugated to the legal establishment on a very disproportionate level. So we understand, and and people are trying to compare this to what happened with Rodney King. No, that's something entirely different, because I'm from California. I know how L.A. police are. I know how corrupt they are. They make movies about them. If you haven't watched uh, Gangster Squad, all you got to do is watch L.A. Confidential, they're telling you, they're, they're letting you know how corrupt the L.A. Police Department is. Now, with that being said, um, with the L.A. Police Department, it was like that was a watershed moment because it was letting everybody know what everybody knew who was in that community. We got a police corrupt department. They're, they're completely corrupt. And we caught him on film being corrupt. This is something entirely different. This is one of the things that I don't like about the South, being in the South, but I'm going to um, acquiesce and just hear you guys closing arguments. I thank you for giving me a time to talk. Yeah, I'm no in problem, Virginia brother. now. I'm in Virginia, um, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, it, it's a different, it's it's not, it's funny. And, um, again, there's so many parallels to what has transpired this week in the Supreme Court with the Civil Rights Act and, and what's going it's on with Trayvon Martin, the, the, the George Zimmerman. There's a very interesting parallel. There's a very interesting connection that they all have. Um, it's all again, there was this, there was this belief when Emmett Till was murdered, there was this belief that he, A, wasn't where he was supposed to be. First of all, he was the same way with Emmett Till. He, was, he wasn't from that neighborhood. 
And then when he was killed, he, it was felt by the people who murdered him he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And when they got into the courtroom, it was the same thing. We were justified in our actions because, well, look at him. And, and it's the same thing here. It's something that, that, that unfortunately, is, I mean, it, it, it's a sundown town kind of thing. When the sun did, it used to be, if you get an opportunity to the folks out there listening, look up the term sundown towns. It's uh -oh. in a gated community. When the sun goes down, back in the days, uh -oh. if you were a housemaid, a butler, a chauffeur, if you were a hired help or a landscaper or whatever, it's a sundown town. When the sun goes down, you're not supposed to be there no more. And if you're, not, exactly. you get, if you get caught out there, if you get caught out there around those times, whatever happens, it's on you. Happens. It's, it's on, on you. you. That's and, real talk. And that's, that's, real talk. that's really, that's really the, 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 and it's still very active here. And again, I live in the South. And here's the funny thing. Sanford is not that far away from where Rosewood stood. So I, you can't, how about that? Uh, you, you got it. Huh? No, I said how so, about that? So, not much has changed. Yeah, not, mm -hmm. not, exactly. not that much has changed. A lot, a lot of, a lot of strides have been changed, have been made, but a lot of things have and do remain the same. And, and again, it's only these things, these little things that we, that we've done, these things that we've achieved through progressive um, action, have stemmed the tide. But, you know, whenever we step back, they pop up again. And this is what happens. And, and, and if we take anything away from Trayvon Martin, is that there's just so much more work to do. Um, again, I hope, I hope, and I, I want to say that I hope that we've progressed far enough as a country where, where, where justice will prevail for this young man. Yeah. We ain't progressed, uh, brother. We ain't, we, ain't we, we progressed far enough. I don't want to take away from things no. that from from the hard work that people have done over the years. And, and I'm not taking nothing away from them. I'm not taking but nothing away from them. You said you'd acquiesce. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. What I am saying is, I hope that that if if this case has a negative ending in in my in my mind anything with George Zimmerman not going to jail is a negative result. Um I hope that people can be positive in their anger. Anger is not a bad thing. It is not when positively applied. So I hope we don't resort to anything that would be detrimental to our communities. This is a this is a sign that we have to become active and become more unified yeah. as a community, become more protective of each other, mm -hmm. more protective of sure. our children, yeah, um, and more protective of of everything that we hold dear, because yeah. that's what's happening here. It's an erosion. If we if we take anything away from that, we got to learn that all we got is us. All we have at the end of the day is us. If there is going to be a black community, if there's going to be a thriving black community, we must be protective of our, our of us. Well, let me ask, let me ask you, brother. How how are we going to do that when we're so when we're so when we're so let me well, let me finish. Let me qualify it. When we're so disenfranchised, how are we going to do it? Well, well, let me let me. I, 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 Audrey Lord. I would like to quote Audrey Lord, a partial 
because we only have 90 seconds left. And basically, this post says, we have to consciously study how to be tender with each other until it becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's Mm. part of the solution there. Mm. And so basically, we're down to our last minute. Yeah, you know, Audrey Lord. And we're down to our last minute. Tomorrow, high noon, we'll be talking about corporal punishment. And Sunday, our show will be talking about intersectionality and the free thought community. And basically, I'm asking the liberal, white, progressive, atheist, free thought community, are they going to stand in solidarity and make a statement along with black atheists and free thought? Y'all going after it. You're going after it. I love it. I love it. You're going after it. You doing you doing you doing some fundamental work. That's fundamental work there. That's fundamental. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. We have work to do, and you know, again, what happened this week? This has been a tragic. It's been a glorious week, but it's been a tragic week, and I just think that we can take. You know, the culmination of everything that happened this week, and we can make some progress, and we can make this progress together. But basically, to round out the show today, Trayvon Martin trial and victimization, next week they'll have the investigators on the stand, and they'll be analyzing a a bunch of things. But in particular, we need to pay attention to the DNA evidence. Carl, take it out. Okay. All right, folks, you know, it's been a wonderful discussion. Um, we invite you, if you're out there, you hear us talking, this is what this is it. This is what it is, man. Black Free Thinkers Radio, again, we challenge you to keep thinking. We challenge you to keep keep asking questions. And we challenge you to take action. And we'll yeah. talk to you guys again soon. So we're going to go ahead and close this out, man. You guys, it was a wonderful panel. It, I had a great time talking to everyone. We're going to do this again. All right? All right. Thank you. All right. Good night, night to you all. Y'all have a good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.